This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. But anyways, uh, reversing gears here. Um, This morning, uh, my message is titled Deep. Everybody say deep with me. It's titled Deep. So I've got a question for you. Uh, How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody in here? A few of you? Okay, maybe seen a picture of it like myself. Okay, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, unfortunately. But it's amazing, right? It's amazing. It's beautiful. You see that creation, right? That amazing big hole in the ground, okay, as some people have told me. But it's amazing when you go and you are able to look at it. But it's considered one of the greatest natural wonders of our world. You know, millions and millions of people go there each and every year just to see this. For millions and millions of miles away, I mean, just, hey, everybody, okay? And it might just be to take that one picture with the grandkids in front of it and, you know, a snapshot for social media or something like that, right? But photos of it literally pop up everywhere. It has been seen many, many, many a times. The enormous red uh, rock walls reflecting the colors of the setting sun make the ideal background, right, for your desktop at home, okay? We've seen it. We know what it looks like because of the pictures. But, of course, the Grand Canyon wasn't always a canyon, and I hope you're ready for a science lesson today. (laughs) But a Grand Canyon was not always a canyon. At some point in geological history, the Colorado River began to flow. And as it grew in that flow, it began to sweep away the sediment rock, right? Began to sweep away the rock along its path. And over a large period of time, layer upon layer of limestone, sandstone, shale were swept away by the rushing water. Carving in many places a canyon that is now over a mile deep. A mile deep. You know, people that I've talked to said that photos just do not do it justice, right? They just, it just does not do it any justice at all. They say that words can't describe the sheer enormity of the walls, okay? You look like this little small peg in the grand picture of the thing, right? You're small. But one of the things we all want to go is deep in our relationship with God. We want to be deep ingrained into our relationship with God. We want our relationship with him to be more than just this surface level, right? More than just this surface level. On the other hand, some of us rather stay on the surface because it's comfortable. I'm comfortable here. This is where I want to be. It's easy, right? It's the routine that we've been using our entire lives. Well, this is just easy for me. I'd rather just sit on the surface of my relationship with God at surface level. So like I said, I've got a little geology lesson for you all today, so get ready and strap in, right? I'm going to go through this quickly. A canyon is formed over time, like I talked about, through erosion, through the rushing water, carving away at the rock, sweeping away the loose pieces. The thing of it is, a deep relationship with God isn't any different. It's not any different at all. It's formed over time. It's formed through experiences, right? It's formed through erosion of our false ideas of God and what he can do and, and, and uh, the false expectations that we have of him that are in the way, right, that he works. But the rushing river that does not work is our disappointment sometimes. 
is our disappointment sometimes with him and our honesty about that disappointment. So what does that sound like? Are you in your canyon this morning? Are you in your canyon this morning? I want you to think of a time that God, at least on some level, let you down, okay? That he let you down. Maybe you prayed very specifically for something and believed to the best of your ability that he could do it, right? That he could do it, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Maybe you felt close to him at some point, but you haven't been able to feel him lately. You haven't been able to feel him lately, that closeness that he brings us. Maybe you know someone who used to be strong in their faith, right? Very, very strong in their faith. They used to come Sundays, Wednesdays, every day that they could be at church, they were here. They were strong in their Bible study at home and in their prayer life. And now they've just totally walked away from it. They've walked from it all. And you just aren't sure why he would let that happen. God, why did you let that happen? Things were going so well for them. Why did you let that happen? Maybe you're reading some things in the Bible that just don't seem to match up with what you've always thought God was like, right? You know, most of us get this idea. It's pretty simple. It's pretty to the point. And especially if you've grown up in church, that expressing disappointment to God is wrong. Is wrong. We get the sense that it would be disrespectful. It'd be selfish, right, of us to do that. God, I'm just coming with disappointment today. We just feel like that's disrespectful. So, you know, sometimes we might just hold it in, right? We just don't say anything. We're just like, okay, God's got this. God's good all the time. God's good all the time. We just don't express the disappointment. We just hold it in. You know, but the scriptures are full of people who expressed their disappointment with God. It's full of it, especially in the book of Psalms. And go home and read more than I've got today, but we're going to be reading out of Psalm 77 this morning. And it's talking about Asaph, okay? And Asaph was much like you and I sometimes. And he shared completely how he was feeling about God in Psalm 77. And it says in verse 1, I cry out to God, yes, I shout. I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Can you sense right now the disappointment in these words? I can. It jumps right off the page. We're going to look at verse 1 again. What has he been doing? He's been crying out, it says. He hasn't just been saying, God, God, I'm here. What's going on in my life? No, he's crying out. He's shouting, God, where are you? He's shouting out. You can sense the disappointment. But what does the second line tell you? From Asa's perspective, God is just not listening to him. So why does God, or why does Asa feel like God isn't listening? I'm going to read it again. It says in verse 2, when I was in deep trouble. He was deep in his trouble. He just wasn't barely in trouble. Oh, I'm just in trouble. No, he was in deep trouble. I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. <clears throat> my soul was not comforted. And again, Asaph is praying and reaching out to God. He's trying to get a hold of God, right? He's calling him on the phone. God, where are you? Expecting that God would bring him comfort in the form of maybe relief from whatever this deep trouble is that he's in, right? 
It appears that God, even though he knows his, this, this trouble that he's going through and has the power to do everything and anything about it, he just isn't helping. But is God helping? Maybe, right? Maybe. Probably, in fact, that, that, he, that he's working some way in this, in this situation. But can Asaph sense God's help in the moment? No. No, he can't. So I've got three steps here. And, and the first step is being honest is the first step towards deep. Being honest. This is Asaph's reality. This is where he's at. And he's being brutally honest about it. It's jumping off the page to us this morning. Letting that river just start to flow. That, that disappointment is coming out through his mouth. It's shining like nothing else in this moment. So what does Asaph do? He does a risky, risky thing. He says in verse 4, you don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray, God. I think of the good old days. <laughs> Long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I searched my soul and I pondered the difference now. He can't sleep, right? His nights are full of distress, so what's left to do? And this is the second point this morning. Asaph searched his soul. This act of searching your soul is the next uh, step towards deep. But it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's not spiritually correct. It's not that old Sunday school answer that we've heard for so long. For Asaph, searching his soul ends up leading deeper into deeper disappointment. Searching his soul leads to more and more hurt, more and more pain. It's like when we ask God to do this good thing for us, whatever it may be. When it didn't happen, we find ourselves left with a bruised heart, right? We were broken because we trusted him. Lord, I've heard all my life, I've got to trust you. But, but, but what's going on? I haven't, I haven't felt this, this need be met. We, live, we leave with this bruised heart because we trust him. Have you ever been in a place where the concept of it just didn't happen is hard? That's hard. That concept's hard sometimes. It just didn't happen, right? Because the flesh is telling us we want it to happen, right? We're praying for this need, God, please meet it right now. But what happens when it doesn't happen? It's hard to accept, right? It's hard. Maybe God is opening up some pathway, asking us maybe to trust him a little bit more in those moments. You know, we can't allow our discouragement with our unfulfilled plans cause us to doubt God, who created the world, right? Created us. For us in Grand Canyon terms, it's like opening the floodgates to the rushing Colorado River of disappointment. And it might just get out of control. It might just get out of control. You know, most of us are okay with a little trickle of honesty about our disappointment with God. But then we put a stop to it and say what we think we're supposed to say. What we believe we're supposed to say. What we've been told to say, right? That easy answer. But it's all good. God, I'm breaking down right now, but it's all good. God, I don't feel your presence, but it's all good. It's all good. Even though my heart's been bruised, it's been broken. Well, guess what? Asaph doesn't do that right. In verse 7, he says, Has the Lord rejected me forever? You can sense it in his voice. Has the Lord rejected me forever? 
Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious to me? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? So my question is, can you see how he really is feeling in this moment? Have you been there, rejected, unloved? You know, this is beyond just not being listened to or feeling not listened to. He sums it up in the next verse. In verse 10, he says, and I said, this is my fate. This is my fate. He's lost. He's at a standstill, right? I can't ever get through this. This is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. The Most High has turned his hand against me. In his honest soul searching, Asaph has let the waters of disappointment dig and dig and dig down to the depths of how he really, truly feels. How he really, truly feels. That God hasn't just not listened. He hasn't not just not loved, right? But has actually turned against him. This is how he's really, really feeling in that moment. But guess what? When he gets down in the depths, when he gets way down deep in there, when he's crying out, he can't do anything more. Here's what happens. Verse 11 says, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. Come on. Then I recall all you have done, not just a few things, all things that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds love long ago. Verse 12 says, they are constantly in my thoughts. See, he was still thinking about it. Hmm. He was still thinking about it. He, he, in the moment, he was just crying out, saying, Lord, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm sinking here. I'm in trouble. But he says, they are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh, God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are a God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and of Joseph. Verse 11 says, but then. Pawnee, if you can go back to that. Verse 11 says, but then. But then. There's a new moment, guys. There's a new moment. But then I recall all you have done. From that space of honest, real, raw disappointment, Asaph can now look up. He can look up and he can see the mighty walls of the canyon that surrounds him. He does that by looking back. He does that by recalling all the things that God has done, all the, all the mighty, wonderful deeds and the works that he's done, the great wonders that, that he knows God has done. He can choose to believe that God's ways are holy even if those ways don't, all, don't seem so holy to him right now. He can believe that they're holy. He can remind himself that God has used his awesome power before. He's done it before. His unfailing love to, these, to, the, to the Israelites, right? And commitment to his people. But you know, isn't it sometimes just easier to remember the past when it involves hurt, when it involves pain? Maybe being mistreated. God, I've seen you meet all these needs around me. And I'm just sitting here. I'm waiting. 
But here's the deal. Maybe God is working on a situation on the other side of your disappointment. Maybe he's, he's working on some sort of situation on the other side of your disappointment. He says, here, <laughs> watch me. Watch this. Watch what I can do. I've done it before. Verse 15 says, by your strong arm, you redeemed your people. You redeemed your people. Asaph is speaking of a specific incident right here. And it's one that many of you in this room know. Where it appeared God was going to disappoint people. He was going to disappoint people. And he came up in a different way than could ever have been imagined. They were running for Pharaoh, from Pharaoh's army, right? They fled Egypt. Okay, he let, he let the people go. They were fleeing Egypt, right? And they what? They get to the Red Sea and they stop. And then they start to have that, that doubt creep in. Lord, I, I see a big, ma- a massive sea in front of me. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I've got Pharaoh's army just chasing me right now. They're, they're crying out. They're, they're, they're not understanding. They're in this disappointment after hundreds of years of slavery that, that God got them out of Egypt. They're still going to c- consider and say, Lord, I don't, know what, I don't know what to do right now. I'm lost. He, 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 it appeared that he may have led them to a, maybe a, I don't know, a, a dead end, right? So they're in a desperate situation up against this body of water with no boats and with Pharaoh's army chasing after them. I can imagine their disappointment. God had made big promises, right? But then seemed to abandon them in the moment for them speaking. You can imagine what they've been thinking. But then Asaph recalls this in verse 16. It says, when the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and it trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one even knew was there. (laughs) Come on. You know, this was a different kind of canyon, right? But look what God did. Look what God did for them. He took the people deep. He took them deep through this canyon in the Red Sea. So they could look up at the walls of water and see his power. What was surrounding them. He took them to the deep so they could see who he was. So they could see who he was. He brought them to a place of, dis- of deep disappointment. Where they doubted his love. They doubted who he was. They doubted what he could do. But he did it so they could look up at those walls and see how high, how wide And how deep his love is for them. You know, if you've been around a while, you know that God's thoughts and his ways are so much higher than our own. Hmm. So much higher and there's there's no way we are not going to at some point in our lives be disappointed. You'll experience disappointment with God. The question is, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? Will you avoid it? done that a few times. Will you ignore it? Been there. Sugarcoat it with all the things that you know you're supposed to say. 
Yeah. You can say, and keep your relationship with God at just a surface level. Is that you today? Or will you be honest? Will you be honest? Will you get alone with God? Will you go through that soul-searching process where you allow the rivers of disappointment to take you to a deeper, more intimate place with him? Will you follow these steps, being honest, searching your soul, look up by looking back? You know, sometimes it may not feel like he's listening, but we know from his word that he always hears us, that he always hears us. Even when we're in our deepest and darkest days, even when we're in the, the, the trouble that we're in, that God hears us. It may not feel like he's helping sometimes, right? But we know from so many stories that he's there. And from the the lives of the people that are around us, that his help often shows up in ways that we could have never, ever predicted. His love may seem to be failing, but maybe he's showing you it's higher, it's wider, and it's deeper than you could have ever imagined. You know, instead of basing your decisions sometimes on maybe your current circumstances, make changes. Make changes that reflect the reality that God loves you that he wants the best for you. You know, sometimes we have to make it a habit, right? We have to make it a habit of seeking his guidance and living according to his word. We have to make it a habit. And according to his priorities. You know, remembering that, that we were meant to live for so much more than just ourselves. Pursuing God's purpose is for your life, right? With passion, You know, sometimes being honest about your disappointment with God can move you into a deeper, deeper relationship with him. We must be honest. There is never such a thing as going too deep. Where spiritual things are concerned. You know, God's word assures us that if we draw closer to him, then he will draw nearer to us. He'll be closer to us, right? But we must draw nearer to him. You know, because God knows every single thing about you. He knows every single thing about you, including all your sins, including all your weaknesses, but he loves you anyway. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. He loves you anyway. We have to trust God. We gotta, we gotta, you know, make sure that we gotta stop controlling our lives and withholding our trust from God. We've got to commit to every single part of our life to him. You know, every fear you hold on to blocks you from experiencing a close relationship with God. Every single fear that you hold on to, it blocks you from experiencing that, 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 that love and that, that closeness and that, that going deep with God. It undermines the trust, literally, on which a close relationship is based. We've got to be able to recognize that. And while we are bound to encounter pain and hurt, trials, God is always with you. He's always with us in the midst of that pain. He goes deep with us, right? If we allow him to. Because he cares. He cares for me. He cares for you. And even in those moments where we're crying out and we feel desperate and we just don't feel like he's listening to us, guess what? He's right there. He's right there. You know, I shared this at our prayer on Tuesday, and of of course the the sound wasn't on. Um, We messed up there. But I shared this at our prayer on Tuesday, and it's just a tidbit of it. 
So here's a concept. When we don't get the answer we desire from God, instead of the first response being, why did you let this happen? Let's begin asking this. How are you going to use this? How are you going to use this, God? Let's change our why to how. I feel like we get caught up so many times in the why. God, why? Why did you do this to me? God, why did you, why did you bring this in my life? Why, Lord? And sometimes we just got to step back and say, how? How are you going how, how to use this for good? How are you going to use me in this situation? How are you going to take me from where I'm at and lift me out of it so I could tell somebody else? So I can share what you've done for me, the goodness of what he's done. You know, you have a story and God knows your story. He knows your story even better than you. <laughs> even better than you. It's a, hard, it's a hard thing sometimes to be disappointed and let down. Of course, we're humans, right? Why did you let this happen to me, God? Why did you let this happen to me, God? Why didn't you answer my prayers? We've got to be able to never lose trust. We've got to be in, a, in, that, in that place to never lose the faith. God, you can take me deeper. You can take me deeper. The amazing thing about all of this is that it's a process. It's a process that we all need to go through. And, and guess what? You don't have to do it alone. You're in the right place this morning. You're in the right place this morning. If you need somebody, you're in the right place. We had a horrible thing happen in our family just a year ago. And it's something that none of us expected, right? None of us expected it. But guess what? In those moments of me crying out, Lord, why? 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 Guess who was there to help us? It was you guys. It was you. And to show us what God could do through these situations. I felt like I was in the deepest and darkest place of my life. And I was crying out to God, where are you? Where are you, God? I preach this stuff every single week. Where are you? And in those moments, I started to realize that it's not all about me sometimes. And in those moments, I began to realize that he's got me through so many things. And he was going to do it again. And he was going to do it again. I felt disappointed. I felt hurt. I felt bruised in those moments. But guess what? Between my church family, my family, and God, we got through it. And we're, we're, it's still a process, but we're getting through it. We're trying to make the best of it. But I remembered in those moments that I needed to cry, not be just crying out saying, God, where are you? But I had that how. How are you going to use this? How are you going to get me out of this situation, God? How are you going to lift us up each and every week when we don't want to get out of bed? How are you going to do it? And he does it. And he does it. He lifts those walls up and he comforts us. He comforts us. And I feel like the only reason why is because I have to, have to maintain that deep relationship in my faith with him. I have to maintain that deep relationship with him. Seth, if you can come up here and play for a minute. <laughs> 
Oh, Jesus. You know, when we feel like everything is failing around us, when we feel like it's, it's just, we're just caught up in this deep and dark hole, this, this, this situation, whatever it may be in. And you may feel like I've, you've been in this situation so many times that you just don't know what to do. God, I never get through this. He says, go deeper with me. He says, go deeper with me. Go deeper with me. It's not always about having this surface level relationship with him. Sometimes we have to do a little bit more. We have to believe that, that the next step could be great. We've got to get to those moments. We can't get caught up. God, I trusted you. God, I thought you were here for me. But God, you let this happen. And he says, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. Dig deeper in this morning. Dig deeper this morning. Will you all stand with me? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord. Oh, God.